Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Good Chemistry Pod. This is our first episode about Mona Lisa Smile. I like to readjust my rating and have it just be lower than what I said in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm, I'm still pretty confident. You learn to love your inner Betty. I learned that I'm a Betty. You're a Betty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I am shocked that I'm a Betty. Why is this movie called Mona Lisa Smile? (laughs) I don't think we ever found the answer to that. (laughs) But I hope you enjoy the episode anyways. We found an answer and you'll find an answer soon by listening to this episode. How did you watch Mona Lisa Smile? How did you acquire like on it? A, on a, oh, from from Amazon, from Amazon Prime, and I streamed it on my TV. Mm-hmm. I signed up for a Stars trial for seven days <laughs> to watch it for free. So we have another movie we want to watch that's on the stars. <laughs> <laughs> we got work. Then I would like to watch it within the next six days. <laughs> mm. You went into this movie saying that you hated Kirsten Dunst and Julia Style. So yeah. I have to ask, how do you feel about them now? Oh, man. I I will say I did think I was going to hate Julia Stiles' character, and I didn't. She was very, very, what's the word for mediocre? Not mediocre, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. She was very uh, blah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ambivalent to her character. Kristen Dunst really, really didn't like her character throughout the entire movie. She's like a straight-up villain. I love how she gets like... A redemption arc towards the end, a really sloppy one. <laughs> but her, her character throughout that movie, she's so mean to her friends and she says just terrible things. Yeah. Oh, God, I hated it. I did not like her redemption arc. It was too, like you said, sloppy and quick. And I, I don't think that it was justified. And she had so much influence as a student. These are all students, right? That was what I couldn't get over either. I could not imagine these as seniors in college. Yeah, I can't imagine having a friend who writes for the school paper and gets just eavesdropping to all of your day-to-day life and choosing to put you on blast whenever she wants. And then just everyone being like, oh yeah, we're still friends with Betty, even though she's ruining people's lives. And then her wedding was just, everybody's invited. (laughs) What? Crazy, I know. I was like, why is Julia Roberts' character there? That doesn't make any sense. And then a beat later, she's all like, I can't believe I was invited. (laughs) So um, do you think like we should like summarize the movie a little bit or something? Mm, Yeah, I guess we should summarize it. You summarize it. Um, Okay. A story about a woman entering in a very conservative college and teaching women to be strong, independent women through art. In when? It was like 1954 was the beginning of the year? Yeah, like in the 50s. And the school, Wellesleyan? Wellesley. Wellesley is like a famous women's school. Yeah, in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Have you been there? I have not, but I've known people who've gone there and lived nearby there. It sounds like you and Steve liked it. Yes, in that because it was unexpected, the movie content. Mm. Like I said, I had Mm -hmm. no idea what to expect coming into this movie right before the movie started. I had given Steve an out. I was like, I have to watch this movie so that Ben and I could talk about it on our podcast tomorrow. You can watch it with me or you don't have to. And I sat down to watch it. He looked up the synopsis right beforehand. And he's like, what this, what's this movie about? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, I just read the synopsis. It sounds boring. So <laughs> we had, I guess, very low expectations going in or no expectations. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I liked it outside of the art 
portion. I guess I, I have a, a questions about the art portion that I'll ask you about, but I think the bigger message about encouraging women to do what they want to do and not having to feel like they're destined for a specific housewife position was something that mm-hmm. really obviously like resonated with me. And so that's why I really liked it. And I think for Steve, for listeners, Steve is my significant other. He was also thinking like, this is a powerful message for a movie that he thought the plotline didn't seem you know that interesting. So he was pleasantly surprised. Oh, well, that's good. Good from Steve. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like the movie too. And you hadn't seen it before. I had seen it before a long time ago. And I remember being kind of lukewarm about it. Mm-hmm. But this time around, I definitely was all like, yeah, I like this movie. I liked the way that it in- included art. I like I like any movie that just has a ton of women in it. Mm-hmm. I'm just immediately invested in all of their character arcs. And I feel like, yeah, there was there were so many six or seven female characters who all had storylines. I was trying to think of other movies that have that ensemble cast of women and there's not that many Mm -hmm. and when thinking about why i liked it i was like man this is like one season of gilmore girls (laughs) it just reminded me so much of gilmore girls that one scene where betty's mom was like criticizing the wedding setup and she was just spouting off it's like the candles need to be shorter and the tableware is i was like oh she's giving such good emily gilmore vibes (laughs) oh so good (laughs) that female cast did not expect that obviously kirsten dunst and julia styles so i was like ugh about but then like maggie gyllenhaal and but uh jennifer goodwin yeah jennifer goodwin connie yeah i i was just like so shocked that those characters were there too and i i love them as actresses and so i was like oh my god like what a great ensemble mm-hmm. but yeah it is definitely it definitely give me gilmore girls vibes and it could be just because it was a heavily female cast there's like all those events every event was like a party there's a wedding or there's a gathering or there's a secret society. Yeah, a secret society of someone going into a school and not fitting in. I was like, oh, Betty's giving me Paris Hilton vibes, except she sucks because she's not <laughs> as feminist as Paris Hilton. Um, oh, I just called her Paris Hilton twice. Paris Geller. <laughs> and then like the other thing that really struck me about it is that I thought it was really beautiful, like a really pretty movie. The, the movie is kind of infamous for how much they paid Julia Roberts to be into it. In it. She was like paid like $25 million wow. for a movie that did, critics did not like this movie and it never occurred to me that the performer's salary is reflective of also the overall budget of the movie and this movie looks expensive Mm. all these scenes with all these actors so much costume design and prep design and betty's wedding was fucking gorgeous i was just like oh my god look at how great this wedding looks it's the most believable expensive wedding i've seen on camera in a long time yeah it must have been like a very large production for the time that that movie came out Um, Okay, so I have a question about the art part of Mm. the movie. Because one of the discussions that Steve and I had afterwards was, did art have to be the central theme or topic of the movie? Could you have replaced the art class or, you know, the art over arc with any other subject? Was art a stand-in for, like, the bigger message of the movie about women doing whatever women want to do? Absolutely. I had the exact same note. I think Catherine could have taught anything. Mm -hmm. It did not have to be art. And I I had that reoccurring thought in the movie that the art is just window dressing. And what it's trying to say or the connection it's trying to make between art and a more modern feminism for its characters or its time period, it's really Mm half-baked. And it's kind of trying to say that art is metaphorical for free thought or enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And that through art, these women can somehow come to terms with some of the more contemporary issues that they are navigating in their young adult life but 
you know, I don't know, like that, it really falls short for me. I was kind of critical of Catherine's curriculum at the beginning, because I was just like, she's not even showing any female artists. Mm. She's not even encouraging her students to be artists. She's not drawing, she's not really doing any of that. But it's still 1953. Realistically, wanting that desire out of the movie of wanting her to take it a few steps forward, it would be anachronistic if she came in and was all like, Picasso sucks. He was horrible to every woman who was in his life. And yet she starts <laughs> off by advocating for Picasso, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it was an art history course. Yeah. I agree that it was mostly window dressing. But at the same time, art is subjective. And I think that's kind of the message that was coming out at the end as far as wanting to do what you want to do. That's subjective. Like Catherine was really pushing, you know. Um, Joan. Joan. Oh, yeah. So Catherine was really pushing Joan into like the path that Catherine wanted. And that's not what she wanted to do. And I think that's kind of where I was kind of seeing where maybe the connection as to like why use art versus using physics or math as the topic, because it's a very Mm -hmm. subjective subject. And, you know, you can decide whether that art is good. You can decide whether being a housewife is good or bad. I don't think art had any impact on any of the individual students' character arcs. I don't think Betty studying art helped her come to terms with the fact that she was living an unhappy Mm -hmm. marriage you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i don't think that art helped connie have more self-confidence yeah or joan decide that she could live a more modern life and go to law school while marrying her husband i think the movie kind of tries to do that on a couple times there's a scene with the pollock painting i mean i love all the scenes that involved art but they were few and far between there's like basically three or four big ones but like you said they don't do anything no the art doesn't connect with any of these girls It's a shame because that final scene where they all paint the Van Gogh painting, I love that scene. I think it's so cute. And it like emotionally affected me. But it's also, uh, how does this connect really Mm -hmm. to the message of the film? When you know the history of some of these things, like I wasn't kidding about Picasso. Picasso is terrible to all the women in his life. He's a huge misogynist. So like art history is just as problematic as any other field of study or, or profession that it was at the time when it terms to feminism. So how you frame feminism around appreciation or study of art, you know, it very quickly falls apart. Mm, mm-hmm. And then, okay, so we know the art of this movie isn't really like connected to the characters. So, okay, going circling back to like Mona Lisa, I was very confused about the title Mona Lisa Smile and confused mm-hmm. about how the Mona Lisa was brought in basically at the very end of the movie, you know, when... Betty. Betty. Oh, God. You know, when Mona Lisa was brought in at the end, when Betty finally has like her turning point and she realized that... You know, her mother is uh, Emily Gilmore, essentially, and that she is she's not like <laughs> meant for the life that she was going for or whatever. That's when Mona Lisa was brought in. But I still don't understand the, why the title of the movie is Mona Lisa Smile. Well, Bill called Julia Roberts Mona Lisa throughout the movie. That was like his nickname for her. Again, yeah, it's like kind of it's just window dressing. It's superficial. Like, what are they trying to say? That because the Mona Lisa has this inscrutable smile that can mean anything that she is supposed to. The, the viewer is supposed to connect her with Catherine as like an empowered woman, a woman with secrets or a woman with interiority is an evolution or whatever. But it's like it, it I don't think it really means anything. I don't know what it, why it's called Mona Lisa Smile. I think it's like a pretty shitty title. Mm. <laughs> 
I mean, I was troubled by Julia Roberts's character in general. Maybe I just went into it reading a bit too in advance, but everyone's like, she gives a very blah performance. And I can kind of sense that, like, at least knowing living in the art world and knowing what artists are like, she's just not really conveying much of a character. She's basically just going around being Julia Roberts and smiling and laughing at things and having like a really strong physical presence, but she doesn't feel like a character. And when she gets so emotionally involved about things, when she's tirading against the school or she's having a strong reaction to Bill's big lie, it's just is very weird. Hmm. It doesn't affect me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really get Bill's character. Isn't sleeping with students so much worse than lying about being in Italy? I don't know. Yeah, okay, thank you. I thought that was like so weird that she like reacted the way she did to his Italy lie. But was like totally fine with sleeping with him, even though she knew that he had slept with students. And I was like, that would be a big red flag. Well, I think this is kind of the failing of her character. So the the main tension is that, in theory, Catherine is like a more liberated woman. She's from California. She sleeps with men. She's not married. All of this is kind of talked about in shorthand. It isn't really presented in a way that communicates much about her character other than how she's framed going into it as being an outsider. And so I feel like her acceptance of Bill sleeping with students is kind of like supposed to be a more modern acceptance. Like, oh yeah, you know, people can sleep with whoever they want. Teachers and students, like they're of age, they're in college, whatever. I feel like it's something that would be justified much more easily. Well, like if we were to make a reference to the Gilmore Girls, Asher Fleming in Paris, Mm. it may cause some issues, but it's not terrible you know it's not the end of the world paris and asher fleming loved each other but for me as a modern viewer knowing the time period that it's in it's just like it's not acceptable because you know a guy who's sleeping with his students at a girl's school in the 1950s is probably not an upstanding guy Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and then you get to his big lie about having lied about his past and i feel like that's where julia roberts doesn't care about his morals when it comes to sex but she does care about his morals when it comes to the truth or about misrepresenting himself. And the movie doesn't really do a good job of painting that in a good light or like making that message understandable. It just comes across as being kind of confusing. And it's because she doesn't have a lot going on for that character. You don't really know why she feels the way that she does at these moments. You're just kind of left to assume based on how how she how her differences from the rest of the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that because I found that her reaction didn't match what I thought would have been an appropriate response to that. But I think that's because, like you said, it wasn't really well well represented or performed. It wasn't well done. Mm-hmm. What did you think about how art was presented in in the movie, like the scenes in class and the scenes with the painting? I was so curious if that's how art classes are for you. Well, I was like, well, my questions was like, is this what Ben did when he was in college? Like, is this normal mm-hmm. where like the art, the teacher just comes in and be like, is this good? Is this bad? Mm. <laughs> Tell me how you feel about it. It's funny. So the curriculum that Julia Roberts teaches or what you were meant to infer from her first scene, that's standard. Like my first art history class in the late 2000s, we start, you always start with cave paintings, you know, and like some of the slides that that come up in that scene, those are always the ones that they show. Art history, at least how it's taught in a 101 setting has, it's pretty much the same you know Mm. and so I found like the scene where they all already knew the history of art to be kind of manipulative because what are they trying to say they're trying to say that they've all read the book but they haven't actually taken the time to consider the art how it's been framed in history and it throws her and she gets all upset and disillusioned or, or whatever but um it's kind of like that's still how it is today that's where you start 
And I feel like today, if you went into a class uh, teaching art history one-on-one and one of the students had read the book and knew everything, that would be almost that you would like it, that it would be a blessing or that you would be encouraging. It's like, oh, wow, they already did all the legwork to understand art history. And you can kind of blow past that and go right into contemporary art, which is what her character does. You know, she's all like, well, we're not going to teach our history anymore. We're going to look at contemporary art. And yeah, in some ways it is similar, kind of like the staples that you need to go through in order to understand what has come to be defined as art. Some of the other scenes I felt like were, were pretty realistic. I liked when they looked at the Soutine painting. That was the painting of the, the carcass. And Betty is kind of put off. And she says there should be a universal standard for judging art, which is an argument that still lives today, that people look at some things and say that it's not art because it lacks some characteristic. And that time period was really, it was a helpful time period because art was changing at that time. You know, that Soutine painting was like from the 1930s or maybe earlier than that, like the 1920s. And then the Jackson Pollock painting that they saw, that had just been completed like the same the same decade. So I like those parts. Yeah, I think I would not have done well in that class. Mm. Maybe I put I probably would have done as well as like that first day as far as like reading the book, you know. If if art history was essentially just like reading facts and like being able to regurgitate that information, I could probably like get by with that. But then if there was any level of subjectivity or whatever, I would definitely have aligned with the Betty character. And that just enrages mm-hmm. me so much because I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Which piece of art did you like the best? There's only a handful. Uh, did not pay attention to any of that. which one did you like i love the part with the van gogh them remaking the van gogh the paint by numbers i thought that was just so cute and i feel like that one the conversation that that scene provoked is one of the more contemporary ones about what is art in the age of reproduction Mm. and also how art can be marketed you know they made specific mention that van gogh never sold any paintings and now he's the most famous painter one of the characters even has a throwaway line where she's like oh yeah we have one at the summer house (laughs) i feel like that really yeah that really pointed towards a more contemporary conversation about art as capitalism Mm. i thought the mona lisa scene was dumb (laughs) (laughs) i thought like it was very i thought it was a backpedal for all the reasons we already talked about but they spent this movie talking about contemporary art and contemporary issues even the scene where she shows all the advertisements and she kind of has her little freak out but then at the end to close on them talking about the mona lisa which is like the oldest piece of artwork that they showed well not with the the cave paintings but the mona lisa is the most famous piece of artwork in the world so it's just like Eh, it's not really to me doesn't mean as much as some of the other scenes Mm, yeah i agree they're just like trying to pull the people back outside of the art one of the things that resonated with me is just the whole like modern feminism message that was coming out of that movie because up until recently i don't think i was a feminist (laughs) (laughs) cut the recording stop it (laughs) we're not friends anymore (laughs) you're a betty i am oof god this is just more things coming to light than I am a Betty. Betty had a redemption arc. I'm perhaps in the mm-hmm. sloppy redemption arc of my time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day uh, your husband will be shitty to you and you'll wake up and be a total feminist. Yeah. I'll go live in Greenwich Village. With Giselle. One of the better characters. I really liked Giselle a lot. Me too. I was really worried Giselle was going to go off the rails. Like, she was always drunk. And then when, like, Catherine was dancing with Bill on the floor and she was, like, all sloppy drunk, I was like, oh, my God, is she going to, like, make a scene? Is she going to do something? Mm. Maybe it's just, like, my uh, cynicism. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be fair because then that would be kind of punishing one of the most liberated women on the movie. Mm -hmm. 
I would have liked to know more about her. I wish that she had more of a character arc. Yeah. I feel like Giselle and Joan, who are the, the two characters who are probably the more modern out of like Betty and Connie, mm-hmm. the students, I mean, they just not much happened to them. And I wish that more things happened to them. Yeah, I agree that they had like more prominent presence, I think. I would have liked to see that. I feel, oh, that's what I wanted to say, like going off of your feminism. So it made me think a lot about feminism and art and how feminism and art haven't really fit together a whole bunch. But it made me think a lot about the Gorilla Girls. Have you heard of the Gorilla Girls? No. They're a feminist collective of artists. They're also kind of wild. Like, so it's like to explain to somebody who doesn't know about them is pretty fun. They joined together in the mid 80s to do these kind of interventions, public artworks texts usually that criticizes culture from a feminist viewpoint they wear gorilla masks they're all unidentified nobody knows who they are they're anonymous they don gorilla masks and they do all this public artwork and a lot of them are famous for sharing statistics about the art world one of them is their i think their most famous poster says do women have to be naked to get into the met museum and then under it says less than five percent of the artists in the modern art sections are women but 85 percent of the nudes are female showing the disparity of how women are represented as subjects in art history, but they aren't represented as actual artists. Mm. And I would recommend giving them a look because you might get a kick out of it and it might fuel your pivot to feminism more. Uh, To be clear, I am more of a feminist now than I was back then. (laughs) I know, I know. But that is a good recommendation. Dear listeners, look them up. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Well, that was a great discussion of this movie. It was. I think that was good. We, you talked about doing a Gilmore Girls rating, so it's all like, one out of five Mona Lisas. How many Mona Lisas <laughs> do, you, do you rate this? Ooh, okay. Okay. Let's think about, is it out of five? I mean, do you want to do 10? I want to do 10. <laughs> okay. I will do seven out of 10 birth control pills. Mm, that was a that was a dental dam. Not a dental dam. It was a condom. It was a female condom. Oh, I thought it was birth control. Mm-mm. It looked like birth control, but no, they took it out, remember? And it was like a vaginal condom. Oh, all right. I take it back. Seven out of ten dental dams. <laughs> That's not a dental dam either. Oh, edit. Edit this. <laughs> Seven out of ten female condoms. Oh, gosh. How about you? Um, I'm going to do five, Ooh. and I'm. it's going to be three out of five, basically the same as you, pretty close. Three out of five soutines. Mm. Okay. I think that's pretty good. Like, it's it was like a somewhat average, a little bit above average movie. I think it kind of deserves better than how it was rated. Well, it was rated at 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. So I do think it deserves better than that, but I wouldn't say it was like a great movie. So. Mm-mm. Well, to continue on our series, then that means our next movie is going to be a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Should we? So we had started out for anyone who has just started listening to us. We started out with Silent Running, and we did not record that because we both hated it so much. <laughs> we should have recorded it. I mean, there was a lot of really funny things to say about that. We will. We will record it. So stay tuned, guys, for the very end. <laughs> we will record it. Well, we watch the movie. And record our reactions once again after we've had some space from it because we just didn't like it that much. <laughs> we should end with it. We're gonna get. We're gonna work our way through our hundred movies, and then we're going to end with Silent Running as a retrospective. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Maybe our maybe our perspective will change at the end, and we'll love the movie. So we started that with fifty, and we were gonna do fifty to one on the sci-fi side. But with this art side, we did the random generator. So should we do random generator for both sides? I like continuing to do random generator. Are you going to do the generator? I just did it. Yes. 18. Okay. 18. Okay. Okay. What is it? Drum roll. Ex Machina. Oh, good. That's a good one. I love this movie. Me too. I'm very excited. 
Yeah, and we get to talk about robots. Oh, this going to be great. Oh, I have a lot of like very like mixed feelings about robots. <laughs> Ooh, I am very curious because mm. well, well, okay, I was going to start the con- we'll hold the conversation until when we watch the movie and we can have this conversation because I also have thoughts about robots. Save it for the short rest, as they would say on NADPOD. Uh, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds great. I'm excited. You're excited. We will. I don't, also still don't know how to end this. Yeah, and we gotta figure out how to end it. Bye! Okay, bye guys! I'm gonna stop recording. Bye! Now. bye. <laughs>